Welcome to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Your hosts are Sarah Karkner and Sheila Turner. This program is based on practical life-enhancing tools to shift your energy, mixed in with great stories, lots of laughs and wisdom to help you feel more confident and ignite your full potential. Now here's Sarah and Sheila. Hello world, this is Sarah and Sheila, Life Flat to Fabulous, and we are so excited to talk to you today. Teenagers, teenagers are the mm. topic of the day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Aging us with wisdom or gray hairs. So, iPhones, Photoshop, The Bachelor, marijuana being legal in some places, teaching to the test, cyberbullying, bribing. So many things are happening in this day and age that as parents, we have to navigate and help our teens and tweens learn to navigate as well and become confident, capable, global citizens of the world. And I think that the stars aligned for us because as we were preparing for this topic, a lot of current event news came out that we're going to talk about in a little bit um, with the big scandal, the elite college obsession with about, what, 50 people getting caught, actors Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin, 33 wealthy parents, college prep executives, all... um, bribing with a big cheating scam. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, Sheila and I want to talk about being a parent now versus a parent back in the day. Maybe our parents, what they're like. Being a mom then versus being a mom now. And we found something very interesting that hopefully you guys can relate to. Moms then versus moms now. All right. So I'm going to do the first one, Sheila. You do the second one. Does this ring familiar to you guys? Say that again, and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. My mother, little Grace, always used to say that. Now, the word is inappropriate. That word is inappropriate is what we're supposed to say. (laughs) My mother would say, say that again, and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. She'd say soap and water. At least she'd give me some water, so that was nice. She'd say, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap and water. So, next one, Sheila, you want to hit that one? All right. Moms now, or moms then, actually would say, you'll eat what I make, whether you like it or not. There are starving children in the world. I can't tell you how many times I had how many times I ended up sitting at the kitchen table until, oh, geez, like 10 p.m. Not because I wouldn't eat my lumpy mashed potatoes that my mom made. These days, though, and I hear this a lot, we hear this a lot. You're supposed to say, good job trying one little bite of the dinner I made. Now go ahead. You can have your mac and cheese. Right, which goes to the point of menus, how there's the child menu. Yes. The kids are just getting mac and cheese and pizza. That's all that's on the menu. So that stresses me out because I think kids should be able to order things like vegetables off the menu and not just mac and cheese. Okay, moms then versus moms now. Next one. Oh, my God. It's like they're channeling my mother. You better stop crying or I'll really give you something to cry about. Now, I can see you're upset. Take a deep breath and use your words. I do say that. Using words. We need (laughs) to use our words. Take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. It's all about patience. Exactly. All right. Up next, mom's then. Oh, okay. You want to go out? Take your bike. Just be home before dark. Mom's now. Well, you can't walk around the block by yourself. I'll drive you and text me when you need a ride back. So true. <laughs> I was talking to my um, class. I did a professor at a local university, and we were talking a little bit about this today. And the one boy said his mom would just say, come on in when the lights come on, because they lived in a city. And so right. if the lights come on, she said, that's when you come on in. 
And mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting. Okay, so the next one. <laughs> this is very true. Take a brown bag with a bologna sandwich on Wonder Bread. Grab a Twinkie and a Hawaiian punch, too. That was mom's then. <laughs> mom's now, and this would be me. I packed your bento box with almond butter on whole grain, kale chips, and an organic smoothie. <laughs> you brought me an organic smoothie today, as a matter of fact, Sarah. Thank you. To prep for this episode. It had, had all kale up in here. Okay. I don't know what I'm drinking. Jill's like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. But we are ready to go and talk about this. So moms then versus moms now. Uh, so what think, do you think about that? I think it just, it's funny. You know, there's a ton of those memes out there that we see on, on social media and everything about how things used to be so much more simple. I think, you know, it's true. My mom was like that. I try to be a little more tough, but it seems like moms now are just so soft. But in another way, it's a different world. We are these kids are growing up completely differently than we are because of things that you mentioned earlier, like technology, you know, the iPhones and the bachelor and all that stuff. So yes. And like, it is a different time, but I can't entirely blame the parents for getting soft. I think there's other reasons behind it. Right. So it's a culmination. We'll talk a little bit about today. So it's the things happening and presenting itself within society, the way life is right now. Back in my day, we didn't have the phones. We wouldn't go to the phones. And that's another thing that I talk to um, students about. They don't know the difference now. They just grew up with phones. And so they don't know the difference of how we had it where we didn't have a phone. And we knew what it was like to go outside and play and to make forts and to play capture the flag and to be outside. And when it was dark, you'd come in. And we didn't have that dopamine rush, which happens now when you're on your phone and somebody likes something or you Snapchat it or you post something, you are immediately getting that dopamine rush. So they're getting like this little bit of a high from the dopamine just off of their phone. We had to create that and use our creativity and go outside and do those things. And we know the difference. So I can say for me personally, I enjoy that better. I, I because of work, I am too reliant on my phone. And I would rather not have that. Whereas these kids don't even know what we're talking about. Right. Like, what do you mean? Have you never had that? Right. My daughter, who is 15, often says she really, really wishes she didn't have to grow up with a phone. And, you know, we're, we should probably let our listeners know where we are in our lives. I have a 20-year-old son. Well, he's almost 20. 15-year-old girl and a 5-year-old girl. So I'm all over the board there. And Sarah is I'm a one-hit wonder. I have a one-hit wonder. I have a 15-year-old. So uh-huh. we are right in the middle of things here with the teens. So exactly. we do have a little bit of experience as to what they're going through. So I ask you this too, with your youngest daughter, what's her exposure and how has that been different from your oldest son, Kyle? Well, Kyle didn't have any exposure. You know, he was born in 99. So there was no exposure to the technology and the phones until he was older. He got into middle school. And then at that point, it was still like a, what are they, the flip phones. Right. So there wasn't anything like that. So it was completely different versus my five-year-old. I really, really try to limit her exposure to technology, but she knows how to swipe. She knows my password on my iPad. She knows how to get onto Netflix. Right. It's so completely different than it now, was. Now, did you feel the pressure from society, like everybody's doing it? So you feel like you have to do it? Because I, you know, I think that's a big difference too. Well, I when- feel like there's so many options these days and these kids know about all the options that they have. 
So it's hard to control it. Although I do have very specific rules, like we do not bring technology to the table or a restaurant. There's no, you know, iPad watching during dinner, nothing like that. So it's limited, but, you know, it's not the days of just having one option of a television screen to look at. These kids know they have a lot of different options. So you kind of do feel a little pressured to, right? you know, give them, you know, good learning opportunities, which do exist on some of the uh, channels. That's true. So there is definitely some benefit to Sure. To oh, yes. Yeah. She has reading programs on, on the iPad that she will watch, you know, when, during the day. And so right. she's teaching herself how to read, which is awesome. That someone not exist before. Right. Right. I saw someone was posting on Facebook. There's been a lot of chatter around um, the current events and things happening. But someone just had posted, I told my son to put down his phone and go to bed and I went in his room and he was still on his phone and she said so I said okay I have to take your phone away and he's like you are the only parent who does that which is hilarious because the same conversation I had with my daughter about the phones because we were like all right 10 o'clock we're taking your phone and your computer we want all technology you know so you're not tempted by it and we got the nobody else does that but you and so she had put out there you know other parents what are your rules and I think that's interesting um Thing and it's an important thing, first of all, to know it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing because that's something I say to my daughter. It's like what our family unit's going to do. But also one of the things that has been brought up in our discussion with various people when we talk about this topic is kind of feeling alone in the struggles that you have. I had a woman call me up and she was like, what is you know, your daughter's curfew? And I said, well, 11 o'clock. And she said, well, that's my daughter's curfew, but she swears that nobody else has to be in by 11. So she's feeling very alone. We had a great conversation about it. And she's like, you know, I really appreciate, you know, this discussion. So I think that part of the purpose of this call today is to help people, um, our listeners, not feel so alone because everybody is going through struggles if you're raising a tween and tween, tween and teen. They are supposed to rebel against us so they can become independent individuals. And so you're probably, um, there's a very small chance that you will go through this time unscathed without some kind of disruption happening or some kind of butting against the system. And so to know that you're not alone in that um, is great. And so that's why we're here. And we've had a lot of questions and stuff coming in, which we're going to go over Mm -hmm. soon. So we wanted to talk about parenting styles. And I think it's, you know, something to think about. Have you thought about what your parenting style is? Are you just going winging it? Or have you thought about what kind of parent you want to be? So did you want to talk about the parenting styles? Well, sure. There's four different, you know, according to science, there are four different kinds. There's the permissive parent who is more where the child's in charge. You're the boss. Uh, Very few rules, non-directive, low expectations, very lenient the authoritative one who wants to talk about it, who's responsive and has very high expectations, clear standards, and is assertive. And then there's the author- authoritarian, and that type of parent has little warmth, high expectations, structured environment, and clear rules. And then there's the uninvolved parent, which has little time for you, for your child, you're absent, neglectful, passive, and basically is saying you're on your own. So those are the four styles of parenting. Right. So when I think of a permissive one, I think of um, Mean Girls, if you guys have seen that movie, and the mother's like, oh, here are the condoms. Go have fun. Oh, kids. Right? And she's just very, like, 
place. She wants to be the cool mom. I'm the cool mom. And then the author, authoritarian is like that tiger mom or like a Von Trapp. What's his name? <laughs> Captain Von Trapp. Like very, you know, got the whistle. You do everything that he commands. Um, the Uninvolved reminds me of that TV show Moms. Have you, guys, oh, have you seen right. that? Yes, yeah, yes. like that mother, how she just mm-hmm. was, you know, she was a drug addict and or an alcoholic. And so she was completely absent. And then the authoritative, I'd hate even to bring this up, but she still was a good mom on the Cosby show. Oh, yeah. You, you know, she was shot. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was warm and she had, um, but she had roles that the kids, you know, abided by. And then, so there are these four scientific styles that, um, you know, have to do with the warmth and the parental control. So it's kind of like where you are on the spectrum of parental warmth and where you are on the spectrum of parental control. But then Sheila and I were talking about, Sheila has a whole different parenting style <laughs> that she is. And this, she's the cacti. Well, I think it's a blend of parent, these okay. scientific, Share I'm going to call it like the I'll cactus share. principle. I actually was meeting with a friend of mine. We were having dinner. This was years ago when my son Kyle was young and her boys were young and we were having dinner and it was right before St. Patrick's Day and she was talking about the leprechaun who comes to visit her house. And I was like, what are you talking about? You have a leprechaun coming to your house? She said, yeah, um, I put out little footprints and disrupt the home, like spill flower places. I'm like, what are, why, why do you do that? I don't understand. She said, cause the kids love it and I do it every year, but she had to get home from dinner because she had to set up this whole scene. And I was like, what? She said, you know what, Sheila, I think your kids are like cactus. You know, you just like give them a little bit of water and then keep growing. Like magically, they just keep growing. And I was thinking, I mean, that sounds very passive and very uninvolved. <laughs> I understand that. But I do allow my kids to solve their problems on their own. I do not go completely overboard with things like Lucky the Leprechaun or an Elf on the Shelf or anything like that. I kind of keep my standards kind of low, but they know that they have expectations that I'd like them to meet and that they are to come to me if there are problems or if they're having an issue, and I will certainly help them. But... That's that's really the whole basis of the cacti principle. And I think that is awesome because mm-hmm. I did put stuff on the floor. But that's more because I just enjoy being childlike. <laughs> and I am really a 12-year-old trapped in a... I just don't want to clean it up. Body. And I'm really <laughs> not that creative. So uh, that's where the whole cactus thing came about. We call the kids cacti all the time. They, they know about it. They understand it. They embrace it. And it works for us. I love that. So thinking about your parenting style and where you want to be on that spectrum of warmth and, uh, and control um, is important. So that's the first thing we throw out to you, our fab community, to think about. And then last night I found this really fun quiz online, this yes. Who Are You in Modern Family, this show Modern Family. So you take this quiz, you could just Google it, just say, I want to take the quiz on which parent you are in Modern Family. And of course, I, ju- I knew this was going to happen. I got Jay. <laughs> The old school dad. <laughs> and I got Claire. Shocking. Yes. Shocking. <laughs> so take the quiz if you can. Um, and if you do, tag us on our Instagram. Yeah. Social media. Facebook. Let us we want to know who you are. Yeah. And it's important to, to observe who you are and actually ask your children maybe who they think you are before yeah. you even do that. Because I think that's interesting because I would make, take a gander at what my daughter thinks I am. 
and what I think I am. Yes. So that's really important to say, all right, and be open-minded to what they're thinking that you are. Because I bet she thinks I'm more authoritarian than I am, actually, than I would say I am, for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to ask my daughter this afternoon. <laughs> that should be interesting. Yeah, and if she knows that. what's good for her, she'll just stand, just give me the right answer. <laughs> like, I'm just a cactus. I don't know, Mom. I'm just a cactus. Right. That's funny. But what we do want to talk about coming up after um, the commercial is really like how, you know, what is it about um, society now and that feeling of parents really getting involved? There's talk about the helicopter parenting is something that our generation is known for and something that they talk about maybe we need to step back a little bit from. So that's something that we're going to touch on when we come back. Right. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. But before we do, as I said, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Fab Empowers. And also go to our website, fabempowers.com. Whenever you post or if you have questions or something that you want to talk about, email us. We have our email up here. We can answer them right on the show. Email us at info at fab-women.com. We want to hear what kind of parent you are. We want to hear what you want to know and what you want to talk about. And we will be back. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Zofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Zofia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We are right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, it's Sarah and Sheila here, and we were back talking about what it is like to parent tweens and teens, and we just touched a little bit on the different parenting styles that are out there, and really those styles are based on your level of warmth and your level of parental control, and then we had a fifth style that Sheila has created called the cacti (laughs) style, where she just gives them just enough, but they grow, they grow, and we talk a little bit about helicopter parenting which is something that they claim those people in like the 30s and 40s are really doing. If you're a parent in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, helicopter parenting. And I remember when Morgan, my daughter, was young, I had I did actually take a class on how to pick a preschool, if you can believe it. There was you a did class. not. Yes, I did. <laughs> how to properly pick a preschool. Oh, my God. Leprechauns and, and I know, right? So then... Um, I also had at a silent auction, put a bid on an item to go and talk to like a child psychologist. And it was just like a one-time session. So I went in and chatted with her. And I think Morgan was like an infant. So she was probably like, what are you even doing here? But it was a great conversation. And one of the things she was saying, you know, to be a good parent is indeed not to helicopter parent. And I think now um, it is something that we are very involved in our kids' life. And how do you find that balance with being involved and letting your children fail and fall down and pick themselves back up to build resiliency? Because I think it is a instinct a lot of times to want to jump in and to help your kids so they don't have to fail or fall down or hurt themselves. And we see that, in fact, in the news that we alluded to in the beginning of our episode that there are, let's see, 33 wealthy parents, including Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan, have been charged with cheating scam and doing all these, oh, my God, so many different things that bribing, um, creating SAT tests that don't even exist, that um, the kid, I guess one kid took an SAT test, and it wasn't even a real SAT test. They actually made it easier for him. He didn't know any of this was going on and graded that test, bribing proctors to increase the score of SATs. So it's like this obsession with getting into these colleges and the links that people are going to because there is some kind of um, misconception, it seems, that if you're going to get into one of the top names colleges, then your life is set. And I think we should kind of dissect that a little bit. We had put on social media questioning um, what people thought about this scandal. And we've got some really, really great responses, and I'd like to read some of them right now. From one person, I think what happens is that people use a known name as an indication that they'll be fine and happy there. Like, if I get into Yale or Georgetown, things will be great. They're great schools. If I have Heinz ketchup, I know I'm going to love it. It's the premium brand. When I have a nationally known brand, it's going to be better. But with schools, while the schools are excellent for many kids, it does not mean that they are the right school for all kids. I think parents need to make that shift in their head and have confidence in their kids. I know right now that at least one of my kids will do much better at a smaller no-name school, and that's okay. But for many parents, especially those who are in competition with others and can't wait to get the decal off of the back of their car, it can feel like failure. 
That's what I'd like to change. To have people think that finding a school that's a good fit for their kids should be something to be celebrated. Not that the school is the hardest to get in. And again, this is coming from someone with two Ivy degrees. It was right for me, but I don't think it'll be right for my kids. So that's pretty powerful stuff. And I think, you know, we were looking up some statistics. Ivy League schools have lots of dropouts. There's large suicide rates in Ivy League schools. In fact, there was an article that came out um, in winter of 2018 that was talking about how six of the main Ivy League schools rated terribly for mental health care. So none of the prestigious ACAS passing marks for student psychological care in this new report that came out. So it's like this assumption that they get into these good schools that means success. And we know for a fact that's not necessarily the indicator of success. Right. It blows my mind that anyone would even think to do that for their child, to pay money to get them into any school and then I want to know, what, what do you expect once your child gets into this Ivy League school? If they can't pass the entrance tests, how are they going to do when they get in there? You're putting them up against a, a major obstacle and really setting them up for failure unless you're bribing their professors in college. How yes. are they going to fare once they get there? Well, I think one of the things <clears throat> that, as I think about this issue, is that parents feel like their child is a reflection of who they are. And so there's two things happening. One, parents kind of vicariously live through the child. But then two, if the child fumbles or has a situation, then the parents feel like that is saying, I'm not a good parent. And in order for me to feel good about myself, I have to have my child look and act and behave a certain way and go to a certain school. And that is a disservice to do to your child because they are their own unique individuals and you're here to support them on their journey. Sure. And I think some of it also, a lot of it stems from this, from technology and this instant notification of everything that's going on in everyone's life. I mean, we have apps for our schools that will instantly send our children's grades to us. I That, that, it, that in and of itself is forcing you to, to become a helicopter parent. Back then, in the day, we used to just be able to get like an interim progress report if we were failing, or we had to bring our physical report cards home for a physical signature. These days, you can opt in to get notified of every homework assignment that's missing. I mean, come on, these kids have got to learn how to function on their own. This scandal is just over the top. Well, I think it takes a tremendous amount of discipline and you have to make a choice to say to myself, I'm not going to get sucked into that and to discipline, um, either turn off the notifications or when that comes in and you get that surge to leap and to protect and to intervene to say, ultimately, what do I want for my child? What kind of characteristics, values do I want my child to develop and to um, live by? And so do you want your child to be resilient? Do you want your child to feel, okay, I can fail or I can have a challenge and overcome it? Because there's really actually no better feeling than having had a challenge and overcame it, overcome that challenge. I mean, that's a phenomenal feeling and not that you want these huge, you know, challenges, but life by definition is going to be challenge. And so I think shifting and stopping yourself and saying, okay, I got to pause here. What do I want? And being ever mindful and ever present of what do I want for my child? And making sure it's not coming from the ego. Because I think in this scandal, it's ego. That's your ego. 
needing to pay for your child to get into school is showing them I'm not confident enough in you. You know, I don't think that you're going to do well. Or you have to, if you don't go here, then that means something is wrong with you. And I mean, there's so many schools in the United States, so many schools. You're not telling me your child could excel at one of those schools. And really, also, the idea of wherever you get into, it's what you put into it. And that's sure. life. And But what about all these parents who are paying a ton of money for SAT prep or ACT prep? Right. And paying for personal trainers to help to develop their children into better athletes. Those things didn't exist before. Going to school back then, we didn't have those types of services. They weren't available. What we got on the SATs was what we got on the SATs. Now, it just seems such high pressure for these kids. And just about everybody I know has a child who's in an SAT prep because that's the norm now. Right. And it's really throwing off the system. So it's skewing the system to the test. And the kids are... um, they're not becoming curious or, you know, people who love to learn. They're it, being little robots. Like, it, yeah, it trained creates to take a, a high test. level of anxiety. I mean, imagine if your mother had your test score before you even walked in the door off the bus. Yeah. You have no time to process that as a child, to process, like, I have to go tell my mom now. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Your mom already knows the minute you walk in the door, you're going to hear about it, like, we need to let these kids give give them some time to process and to try to work through issues on their own before we jump in. Well, and also, does their identity have to be what they get on a test? You know, I would rather raise a really kind, creative um, person who's looking for, like, solutions to problems and contributing, helping other people in society than someone who does it really well on a test. And that, you know, is conflicting, and this is something that yeah, I struggle with, the way things are. There's a certain, you know, there are certain expectations that you kind of have to play the game. You have to take, well, you don't have to because they're shifting a little bit. Most people take SATs and ACTs, some kind. Most schools require that. So that is something you have to do in order to go to college. Now it's changing a little bit, but it's that balance of, okay, I want a well-rounded individual. So how do I create this person um, who feels confident and capable within a society that is trying to do everything they can to kind of undermine that. I I completely agree. Uh, But I really think that we need to model behavior as a society, model behavior and not get wrapped up in these bribery scandals and do what's right. I mean, one of our listeners had chimed in and said, where is the moral compass? Absolutely. I think so. Another person has said, this makes me so sick. Our kids are busting their butts and adding so much stress to their young lives to get into their dream school, and it's never enough. And then this, I wish something would reset the whole higher education ridiculousness. Honestly, my husband and I were good students and got into top 10 type of academic programs, but I am not sure we would if we had to redo it. But yet here we are in life, which is way better than we ever could have imagined. And it's not because of where we graduated. It's from hard work. We didn't have all those AP classes and extra hours of sports or community service. We were just kids. I am so sick about it, and I'm not the only one really living it. I would never, ever, ever go back to high school if I had to. The pressures are out of control. Sad. It is sad. I mean, kids these days are growing up not as kids. They're not teens. They're brands. And oh, that's good. They're brands. They're, they're making their brand. They're developing their brand to get into 
college or to make it through high school. It's because of this whole social media. Everything is branding. You're packaging yourself a certain way. You're showing everybody the best possible version of your brand. It's not your personality. It's not who you really are. Right. We go back to the highlight reel of your life and not the blooper reel. Right. And so you present your brand to a college or a university. So you're actually molding yourself to fit into somewhere that you want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, I talked to some students today and they were talking about um, how they feel like they're not given the chance to defend themselves and learn how to grow up through because all those things are taken away, all those opportunities where they would learn to have to stand up for themselves. Um, They were talking about how freshman year, the freshmen in sports would have to take the water bottles, you know, carry all the water, and now they're not even allowed to do that because that's considered hazing. And one of the students had said, he said, that's where the bond of trust comes in. He's like, you get in the game and then they're not going to listen to you because you don't feel that friendship and bond of trust that they all went through something and they know mm-hmm. it's like a rite of passage. And they said, um, that's really where they learned to grow up because if they didn't like something, that's where they learned to have to say something about it. It's true. I mean, everybody now is on an equal playing field, which is fine, but you know, we're in the era of everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets the participation certificate and, and you do kind of lose that trust and that way of growing up and being able to defend yourself against you know others so it is it is a a, a, such a different way of growing up today versus how right and we were talking even about tv shows and they were the kids were saying this so this is um sophomores and freshmen and they were talking about the shows that they used to watch when they were younger compared to the shows that they have out now and they were saying that they felt like even the topics that would have been expressed aren't expressed now. Like everything's like into this reality TV. But for example, Facts of Life, that was like a great TV show from back in the day. Oh, right? I love and there that was show. always there was always like an issue presented. And then there was always like the discussion of how to deal with it. Right. And so it was very um, you know, this one boy was talking about how there was a racial issue on the TV show that he liked to watch. And he's like, so there was this racial issue and it showed how it like they worked through it. And he said, But I don't see any of that anymore. He's like, those shows like that the kids are seeing, it's like, oh, people are too afraid to even put that there out there because it's not politically correct. Sure. And so they're not even like watching modeling of how to work through that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this scandal with uh, Felicity Huffman and, um, and what's the other actress? And to see Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Her house Full is house. Uh, her house is in trouble now. That's exactly house. It. Yeah, Lori Lachlan. Yeah, um, I'm wondering. I want to see the whole list of people. I mean, they're saying prominent CEOs. And it just, it, it, and you know what I really, I really, really feel bad for if those kids didn't know, you know, that their parents did that for them. What does that do to a well, child? Well, they did know, and they, they were like, well, like oh, okay sorry. let's do it or if they didn't know then it's like wow that's completely undermining the belief that the parent has and that really is like the core of your self-concept um and how you develop the self-concept a lot of times it's having you know obviously the parents believing in you um is a huge thing and so in fact they say with those parenting styles the authoritarian parent the one that's the most authoritative um, are, uh, that those parents have kids who do feel like they cannot cope 
So sorry, the authoritarian child outcomes such as hostility, delinquency, rebelliousness, antisocial aggression. Um, so these excessive parental controls where if you're bribing someone that's excessive um, correlates with the development of anxiety stems from a lack of this opportunity for these kids to develop autonomy. Very true. And this is a really great discussion that we are going to continue through the next uh, after our break. And we're also going to talk about today's moms and how we are able to deal with this and get some ideas and some suggestions. We do want to hear from you. So please make sure that you email us at info at fab-women.com. So we're going to take that short commercial break. Go to our website in the meantime at fabempowers.com. Sign up and get your free gift and subscribe to our mailing list for some fun things and some good helpful worksheets for you. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what we can do as parents to help our teens better cope with this. Yes, and we are going to, if you're local, we are going to be putting um, our offering a support group that's going to be in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. So if you are local, we'll put out more information about that on uh, Instagram and our Facebook page so you can come and get some support for this trying time of raising teens. And we can do this. We can be the change we wish to see in the world and we can raise confident, capable, productive individuals. But you do know that when you have children who are teens, it is important to have a dog, Sarah, because that's true. At least someone is happy to see you. (laughs) We will be back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. Dr. Rebecca provides a safe, healing environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We are right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, hello. It's Sarah and Sheila, and we are back talking about parenting teens, the Mm. challenges, the struggles what kind of parent we are, what kind of parent we want to be, and what we're going to do about that. So we're going to talk about that. We had someone write in. Thank you so much, Tammy. She writes, this is sickening, saddening, maddening. And what our society has come to, people, and I'm generalizing because I do do not believe it's everyone, have no morals, only a sense of entitlement that is passed along to our children. I am outraged. I am my kid's biggest cheerleader, but would never try to cheat a system for advancement. Additionally, not everyone is a four-year university student. I remember feeling uncomfortable while many of my kids' friends' parents were talking about where their kids were looking to go to school. Well, I knew that wasn't the path for my child. AP classes, take as many credits as possible, extracurricular activities, community service. I'd agree it's important to be well-rounded and exposed to a lot of different opportunities, but at what price to these kids? We are losing our tradespeople A university degree is not the only way to go. Don't get me started on teaching to the test and pushing kids through. I worry for our children's future on so many levels. We hear you, Tammy. We do, too, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think the pressure is out there. The stereotyping is out there. Um, There's another friend of mine who's been posting about this a lot because her daughter is a phenomenal fashion designer, and she had posted about how um, her daughter's not going to go to school. Her daughter's already rocking it. She's, I guess, a senior, junior, senior, and she's doing this fashion design. And um, I commend her because she's very solid in what she believes, and that is helping her daughter follow her passion for fashion, her passion for fashion. Mm-hmm. And um, she says it's been really hard, though, because most days people are asking her, child, where are you going? What are you doing? You're not going to college. And she said, look, in five years, ask me that question in five years when my daughter, you know, is really successful because her daughter has already started to launch her fashion career. And I think that's just commendable and amazing because she is bucking the system of what's, you know, normal. That is amazing. And kudos to her for staying strong and not giving in Jill, to the you're pressure. Jill, you're If you're listening, girlfriend, I'm talking about you. Yeah, kudos to you and your daughter. She will be super successful, I am very sure. It's just mind-blowing, though, that I think the stress and anxiety that these kids are experiencing these days is record-breaking, and so is the amount of therapy, money spent on therapy for these kids. Right, because I think there's a collective consciousness. There's a collective consciousness of pressure that's leading to the anxiety. Right, and how do we stop that? We have to be the change. It It starts at home. I mean, it really starts with... I think, very conscientious parenting. And like I said, and what we suggest for the listeners, for you out there, the first thing you can do is really, you know, remind yourself and therefore your child of their good qualities. You know, think about all those things that they do really well. Yeah, and when you're in the thick of things and things are uh, not looking so hot or you're stressed and they're stressed and things aren't going as, as well as you want them to go, take a breath sit down and look at the good things, the positive things that your child brings to your life. Right. And I would say too, the, the, um, one of the things I teach in biopsychology is when you're emotional, that's your limbic system and you want to shift it to your 
prefrontal cortex. So your limbic system is the emotional area and your prefrontal cortex is the area where you can be solution oriented. And a great way to shift it is to write it down. That gets you actually into that front part of your brain. So you write it down. If you need to, and there's like a lot of emotions going on, then remove yourself, go in the other room and start writing. Mm-hmm. writing the things you're worried about, the fears you have, but then make sure you end it with all the good qualities that your child has. Right. And, and we do have a listener who just emailed in. Thank you for your message, Liz. It says too many parents are getting their own validation through the achievements of their children. They say they are concerned about their children, but are more concerned about how it reflects on them. Very 100%. true. 100%. Yes, I think so. And that, so that comes you know, from conscientious parenting and and really making your child the priority and knowing what triggers are happening for you. I think that uh, I've started meeting with my mentor. Um, He's asked me once a month because he's also raising a teen. And so we started meeting once a month to support each other. And we discovered that a lot of the things that you experienced when you were a teen um, brings up triggers for you. If you feel like your child is going through a similar thing. So you have that wound from, wow, when I was young, I, uh, a teen, I didn't feel, I felt very insecure or it was really important for me to be liked. And then you kind of project that onto your child. Absolutely. So it's really important to say, wait, am I projecting right now? Am I making this about me? That's or true. is this about the child? And just asking yourself that question. When you start any anytime, just, am I making this about me? Yeah. And very often it is. And ultimately, we as parents just want our kids to turn out okay, right? That's <laughs> at the end of the day. But this is such a volatile time in their lives that we don't want to see them go through pain. And like Sarah was just saying, you know, when we're hurt as teenagers, you know, you know how much that hurts when something happens to you. And you see your child and it just rips your heart out. Absolutely. And then I think a important piece of that and what we touched on in one of our meetings was you turned out okay. You turned out pretty good. And although you want, you don't want your child to have to go through, you know, pain or the same kind of things, this is their journey and they are going to go through certain things, but having that faith and that belief that they will come out of it as confident, capable people, that's half the job. You know, that's half of it. If they feel like you have faith in them, that is going to instill a positive foundation for a good self-concept. And then you link that to just that attitude shift of that then to, well, okay, what what are coping mechanisms? So if they have this challenge, what can that person, what would you do? And if you don't know what to do because maybe you didn't handle something well, you know, again, you ask yourself, you get advice, you ask yourself, okay, what would another parent that I admire do? What would they say? Mm-hmm. You know, or you go to a friend and say, what, you know, how would you handle this? And it's amazing because having that support and that just a different view from someone who doesn't have maybe those same buttons that you have, doesn't have the same wounds that you had to be able to look at it from a different perspective can change everything. Right. And we also, I believe, need to shift the way we talk in terms of success. Absolutely. And what is it to be a successful individual? Yeah. In terms of the whole development of the person, not just what they are on paper and what their exactly. test scores are, um, not simply you know, money or fame, that's not the definition of success. We need to reframe and refocus how we talk about successful people. I know plenty of super successful people that did not go to college or they went to community college. And I know a lot of people who are not successful who went to Ivy League schools. 
Right. And I would say, too, to link that is that most of those people had major challenges and had to develop their um, resiliency muscle. And it's a muscle that you're building. And that's why they became successful, because they knew how to work for something and they knew how to get knocked down and get back up again and knocked down and get back up again. And in fact, you'll hear most really successful people. That's what they're good at. You know, they practice, they fail, they practice, they fail. And um, they keep doing it till they, you know, reach their goal. And so that's something that's very powerful. And do you want to instill that in your child? If that is important to you, which I think most parents would feel like, yes, I want my child to feel confident and capable, then you have to stop yourself when those triggering things come up. Take a deep breath, go and write out what you're feeling. And usually, you know, write those fears and things down, write what you're feeling, you know, those great things about your child. And what do you want? So having that really frank, wow, what do I want for my kid? And put that in your wallet. Put that, you know, in your side table next to your bed. This is ultimately what I want. So you can always go back to that. This is what I want for my child. This is what I want for my child. Right. This is what I want. And then you go back to that and you have that there as a reminder. So when you start to get tripped up or when someone's like, oh, my son is going to Harvard and he's so good at lacrosse and he volunteered 500 hours. I'm like, who has the time to do that? You know? So you have a kind of method. So you are developing a coping mechanism and are able to then model those kind of things for your child. Because that's another really important topic that we wanted to discuss is show, not tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a lot to say about that. Go for it. It's so important, though. I did write a blog piece on showing, not telling your children. Showing them how to live a healthy, productive life. I mean, what reflect and look at what you are doing and how you handle situations and what your kids see because they see everything they notice everything they hear everything but by showing them by doing things like volunteering you're showing them that taking the time to help the community is important you're showing them that you want to live a healthy lifestyle by actually living a healthy lifestyle and that you would like them to live a healthy lifestyle too be mindful of your own language your own dialogue to yourself and to others, and even That's about huge. others. Are you gossiping in front of your kids? Or do they hear you? That That's huge because they model that behavior. So it's really important that we show our kids how to live healthy, productive lives. Right, and, and some of the statistics too, when we talked a little bit um, ago about the different parenting styles, the one parenting style, the authoritarian, authoritative, excuse me, style that um, has, you know, a high level of warmth, but then also relatively high levels of control, um, setting the expectations and making sure the disciplinary rules are clear, um, but it's more child-centered disciplinary practices. Um, they tend to raise children who display higher levels of moral reasoning. They have markers of moral consciousness. They have pro-social behaviors. Um, but they also say that's the most demanding in terms of parental energy and time. Mm-hmm. So you've got to decide if it's important to you to put the energy to it and not to get lazy about it. You know, there are certain times when I feel like, ooh, I would just like to take a vacation from parenting. <laughs> but then I have to, you know, again, recenter myself and say, what is most important to me? My priority is raising a certain kind of human being, you know, within the realm of like who she is, you know, letting her blossom in an authentic way for herself. And it's interesting because a lot of people, because my husband was a professional athlete, will say, oh, did Morgan do that sport? Did she do that sport? Is he upset about it? And he, not once has he ever um, thought this is something I want to make her do. 
from the get-go, he said no. He said, if she wants to do it, of course, she can do it. But I will never pressure her. And people are surprised by that. People just assume because he did this sport that that means she would have to do that. But we made a very conscious decision to let her follow her path and make sure we nurture what she wants to do. Um, And just by the people surprised in that, I think that says something about society. You haven't? Well, don't you feel sad about it? No, because it's not about me. It's not about him. It's not about me. They ask that when it comes to dancing. Sure. She doesn't dance? No, and that's okay. Right. Oh, yeah. And that just goes back to what Liz had said in her email about um, the uh, parents living vicariously through their children. Um, So we are going to be closing the show soon, but uh, we did have one other point to talk about, and that is being vulnerable in front of your kids. Yes. And really allowing them to see you maybe have a bad day and how you handle it. They need to learn how to cope. And in order to do that, they need to see people in action. And I'm not talking about, well, when I was your age and when I was in high school and I was feeling excluded. No, it's not about that. It's how do you deal with your life today? If you come home and you've had a challenging day at work, you have somebody who's been pushing you around. That's a real life situation that your child can help you through. Absolutely. So opening up dialogue that way is often a very powerful way. And it's amazing when you do that, what they come up with. I do that with my daughter a lot, and it, she has such good advice. <laughs> and when, when she was younger, I used to put myself on the timeout. If I was about to lose it, I, I would literally say, you know, Morgan, yeah. I need to timeout. Mommy needs to timeout because I'm about to lose it. And I'd put myself on timeout because I wanted to show her that that's okay to take a moment and to, you know, do what you need to do and come back to that. Um, but I really think... Asking your teen for their advice on how to solve a problem um, is very important. And it doesn't mean you have to follow the advice. So that's where the authoritative control part comes in. But it's also the warm part of like helping them think things through. And oftentimes they will amaze you with the answers that they come up with. Well, this has been a great discussion today and we thank our listeners for chiming in as well. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you're feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to tackle those teen years. Remember to follow us on social media at fabempowers.com and to visit our website to sign up for your free gift and join our tribe of empowered females. Make sure you fab it forward by sharing this broadcast and sharing our pages with other fabulous ladies in your life. After all, we are women helping women and we're here to change the world and you are a big part of that. So join us next week. As we take ourselves from body blah to body proud, we will take a journey through the history of beauty, examine society's mixed messages, explore alternative concepts, discover how to replace the negative self-talk, and share seven strategies you can use to become body proud. And always remember to find a little fab in your everyday. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Life from Flat to Fabulous. Be sure to join Sheila Turner and Sarah Kartner again next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, make it a fabulous week.